0: Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Asset Allocation Report for January 30th, 2023. Believing that the secular downtrend in long-term treasury yields is ending, Confluence Investment Management has shortened its recommended duration in fixed income allocations. Confluence Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady joins us today to discuss why the firm has reached this conclusion about the fixed income market. Bill, first of all, let's clarify what exactly is meant when you describe a market as secular. Is this just another name for a long-term trend?
1: Well, yeah, Phil, in a sense, yes, but the way I define secular is a trend that is supported by underlying factors such as policy, geopolitics, trade patterns, and social customs. In other words, it is a long-term trend, but it's possible a long-term trend occurs by happenstance. Uh, A secular trend has underlying factors that make it durable. In addition, depending on the market, some long-term trends may be cyclical in nature. The trend may last several years, but it's nothing more than a cycle.
0: Well, I imagine that there are plenty of ups and downs within secular markets. Isn't predicting the end of a, of a secular market quite tricky?
1: It's not just tricky, but mistaking a blip in a market for a change in the secular trend can be something of a career ender for a strategist. In fixed income markets, as the chart in the report shows, it's rare to have a secular trend change in one's career. There is something to be said for recognizing the secular trend and simply riding it. Betting on falling long-term interest rates or holding long-duration positions has been a winner for over four decades. Fading that trend has usually not worked out very well, but secular trends do eventually change, and if an investor sticks to what worked before the trend changed, it usually doesn't work out well. So what do we watch for? Well, if one can isolate the key factors that caused the secular trend in the first place and can make a case that these factors are reversing, positioning portfolios becomes much easier.
0: What factors helped create the secular downtrend in long-term treasury yields that we have been
1: experiencing? The key is that inflation has been low and consistent. As inflation came under control, inflation expectations fell and led to a steady decline in long-term interest rates. What led the deceleration in prices was deregulation and globalization. These two factors pressured labor costs in the U.S., which kept price pressures at bay. Globalization depends on a hedgement. We believe that either the U.S. is giving up the role or at least changing its definition in such a way that the globalization as it has been practiced since 1990 won't continue. As inflation and inflation volatility steadily rises, we expect long-term interest rates to rise as well.
0: Bill, talk more about some of the evidence that this secular market
1: is over. One of the problems with fundamental analysis is that it can tell you when underlying factors are changing but it won't make a difference to markets until the preponderance of opinion changes. We have been noting for some time that conditions were undermining America's commitment to hegemony. The growing political turmoil, the aversion to free trade, and increasing desperate social conditions in many areas of the country, which were essentially the costs of hegemony, were becoming large enough to be unsustainable. If you study history, it's very common to start with an event deemed to be critical and then trace how conditions had been changing previous to to that event which fostered the shift. Unfortunately, this analysis can create an air of inevitability when, in fact, it may not lead to the expected changes. Usually, a secular change requires a catalyst. I think the pandemic, which revealed how fragile our hyper-efficient supply chain had become, and the Ukraine war, which made it evident that geopolitical risk had returned at the end of the Cold War, was a necessary element to the return of inflation that would change the secular trend in interest rates. I think the secular downtrend would have ended at some point, but the war and pandemic accelerated that process.
0: Bill, you point out in your written report that markets are often driven by narratives. What is the prevailing narrative that has been guiding fixed income investors?
1: The prevailing narrative has been that low inflation was persistent and one could comfortably hold long-duration fixed income. If you think back to the transitory narrative that was driving monetary policy until November 2021, that was part of that story. When inflation didn't fall, the transitory narrative fell apart and we saw a major spike in long-term interest rates. What the markets are trying to derive now is if this spike is durable or are we going to fall back into the previous range. Clearly, we don't think rates are going to fall that far, but they could if we had a really, really deep recession.
0: Does this particular narrative, the one that has guided fixed income investors for such a long time, stand a good chance of blinding investors now to reality?
1: Well, not to get all conscient on you, Phil, but reality is a mix of what's out there and how we perceive it. I don't think we live completely in our heads, but much of what we perceive gets filtered by the narratives we ascribe to. In most people's lives, because the confrontation of facts that contradict one's worldview isn't all that significant, people can be blind. But investors holding on to a narrative that isn't working is costly. Investors are given a feedback loop that makes holding on to false narratives difficult to justify. At the same time, the lessons learned don't occur uniformly. If a secular trend is changing, early adopters are rewarded, while those who continue to expect the previous ten to hold are harmed. But if the secular trend isn't really changing, those who remain steadfast to the old order do just fine. So if a secular trend does change, it takes a while for the old narrative to be extinguished. Probably one of the best examples of this was in the equity market. Although the secular trend in stocks became bullish in the early 1980s, there is clear evidence that the majority of investors didn't get on board until 1995. That's when multiples began to expand. It seems that the majority of investors didn't fully buy into the idea that inflation was controlled. Early adopters thus were rewarded.
0: Bill, at the time of our recording today, the long end of the bond market has been acting better with values rising and yields falling. Is this just a head fake?
1: Not necessarily. But what I would expect will occur is that when we make the recession low, it will be at a yield above 3%. To prove the secular downtrend in yields remained intact, you would need to see a new low in yields, which isn't likely.
0: How long might it take investors to adjust to this changing scenario?
1: Well, it could take a long time. I remember a story I heard when I was a young analyst in the late 1980s. I asked an advisor how hard it was to sell bonds in the late 60s and early 1970s. This was a period where interest rates lagged the rise in inflation. What he said surprised me. He said that in his little branch in Iowa, investors would line up waiting for him to open the door in the morning so they could buy bonds. What made demand high was that yields were up a lot from where they'd been. If you had not seen a 4% yield before, it looks attractive even if inflation is higher than 4%. Those bond buyers didn't do very well, but what it shows is that it does take a long time to change positioning.
0: Bill, I'm curious. Many market analysts, including you, predict a recession- of some strength. We don't know how deep, but a recession sometime this year. Now, wouldn't yields fall and bonds rise in the event of a recession, which may cause the Fed to relax its upward pressure on interest rates?
1: Long rates could fall further. The key isn't that they fall, but that yields don't make a new low. Inflation will fall, too. But we think the structure of the economy has changed. And so when the Fed eases to support a recovery, inflation will come back faster and greater than it has over the past four decades. Another way to think about this is that you have cyclical trends around a secular trend. A recession would simply cause a down cycle.
0: Do you think there is simply too much evidence that inflation will remain high even if the Fed pauses?
1: Yeah, I think so. Or perhaps another way to think about it is that the surprise will be that inflation returns faster than in the past recoveries.
0: What's your prediction about the
1: pace of
0: yield increases?
1: Well, this is what I worry about the most. In the last secular rise in yields, the rise was very gradual. I suspect some of that was due to generational experience. The investing part of the population had experienced the Great Depression and were much more worried about unemployment than inflation. They were always looking around the corner for the next Great Depression and thus were surprised at the persistence of inflation. Now the dominant investing generation is baby boomers, although that dominance will wane over time. The boomers' nightmare experience was the 1970s inflation. As a group, they tend to worry more about inflation than unemployment, and so, as long-term rates rise, we could see panic selling from this group that leads to a less gradual rise in rates. It's still not obvious if this is the case, but we are watching this situation closely.
0: Would a rapid increase in yields inflict pretty severe damage on the economy?
1: Well, it certainly would. One of the concerns is that debt levels are much higher now, and it may be difficult for the financial system to cope with a rapid rise in yields.
0: What solutions are
1: available in case this scenario unfolds? Well, probably the most extreme response would be yield curve control, where the Fed essentially fixes interest rates along the entire yield curve. The Fed did this to facilitate government borrowing during the Second World War. Such a policy would effectively strip the Fed of its independence. But if strains in the financial system become extensive, this policy might be necessary. And how would this affect the strength of the dollar? I think it would be profoundly bearish for the dollar. Essentially, the reserve currency and the reserve asset would be suspect at that point and could lead to a global flight from the green pack.
0: Bill, we mentioned as we began our discussion that Confluence Investment Management has shortened its recommended duration in fixed income allocations. But you're also negative at this point about bonds in general. I realize investors fit into different categories with different needs, different goals, but still, Let me ask the general question, if not bonds, where should investors place their assets instead?
1: Well, there's a place for fixed income in most portfolios, as rates are now high enough to provide a positive nominal return. But in a period of rising prices, commodities should be in portfolios and value stocks, which are essentially short-duration equities compared to gross stocks, should also be favored. In our asset allocation portfolios, we've created bond ladders for fixed-income portfolios. That structure essentially drops the duration a little bit each day and thus help investors more easily cope with duration risk and fixed income. Finally, on a programming note, due to travel, we'll be taking the next two weeks off. The podcast will return on February 20th tied to a bi-weekly geopolitical report. Thank you,
0: Bill. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. I want you to be aware that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice, and this information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll until ever.